0: Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, President of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. You know, I took a little step back from the mic the past two or three weeks. And, you know, look, in the work that we do, you got to catch your breath every now and then. Y'all know I'm a family man, so I took time to spend time with my family. Also, to sort of get off the grid, unplug as they say these days, for a little time, but you know that doesn't stop the work that we do at Texas Values, so I'm th- so thankful for my team that continued to keep the ship moving, if you will, and do all the great work that we do while I was at an undisclosed location for a little while, and I thoroughly enjoyed that time while I was away, but was so looking forward to once I got back into the state of Texas, an opportunity to get behind the microphone and catch up and connect with the great people that care about the work we do for faith, family, and freedom in the state of Texas. If you're new to the show, we've had over 200 consecutive episodes of the Texas Values Report, and we continue and intend to keep that going. And one of the reasons that we do it is because it gives us an opportunity to have great guests on the show to talk about the issues we care about, but also to bring unique perspectives to bring individualized perspectives and maybe of voices that you might not hear other places or you know they get shut out of or people aren't as friendly or welcoming to their message because it doesn't fit their narrative. And that's no different today. We got a great guest today, and this is his first time being on the Texas Values Report. Rev- Reverend Bill Owens is going to be our guest today. Let me tell you a little bit about Reverend Owens. He is the founder of the Coalition of African American Pastors. It is a national organization and a very influential organization when it comes to public policy and advocacy. He is a frequent guest on cable news programs. He's a sought-after advisor to political leaders, including President Trump, and he has a vital voice in the world when it comes to issues of faith and policy. He's an ordained minister in the Church of God in Christ, and he holds master's degrees in theology and education. Reverend Owens, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Thank you for having
1: me. I'm honored to be with you today.
0: Well, Reverend Owens, you and I have really had the pleasure of getting to know each other over the past couple of years. I think it's probably been close to 3 years now. I think one of our the first time we got to interact was by phone, possibly by email, and then we had some good interactions A couple of years ago, when you brought a group of people to the Texas Capitol to really have a strong voice, a diverse voice, if you will, for the issues of faith, family and freedom, but your work on faith and policy and issues that people care about in our country and in our state, if not the world, goes back quite a few decades. Tell our listeners a little bit about your history and why you care about some of these issues. Well,
1: uh, I would like to go back to my childhood and bring you up in two or three minutes. When I was born, until I was eight years old, we lived in two rooms, 11 people, no water, no lights, a pot stove, outdoor toilet. That is where I came from. My mother's sister died, and she took in her children, so 11 people lived together, so the point I'm making is we came from the worst kind of poverty you can imagine. We worked. I worked my way through college, and uh, I, I pastored uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, Los Angeles, and Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I was in the Civil Rights Movement while I was in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, with John Lewis, I marched with John Lewis in the Civil Rights Movement. And uh, so that is my background along those lines. I taught school. As a matter of fact, I taught school where Oprah Winfrey went, to so that's my background, and uh, as a whole, I'm married to a lovely lady, Deborah Owens, who has a doctor's degree from Vanderbilt University in, in education, and we have two little children, and we work hard to to promote the Bible and truth. We stay we we're not politicians, but I'm a gospel minister, and we work hard to. Stand up for what the Bible says, not any certain politician. But what does the Bible say about this? And we 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 don't try to suck up to people. We believe we say what we believe, and that our beliefs come from the
0: Bible. Well, look, that is I consider the main source, the most important source when it comes to a text to look from, when you want to draw from the the, the way to live your life, but also to really deal with issues that come up in in our faith life to come up in public policy and politics uh, Reverend Owens look you know we don't hear a lot of people currently talk from a first hand point of view about the civil rights movement because it has been a while and and, and I don't want to diminish that I don't want to act like it's been several hundred years um, you know I w- I was in a country recently that was celebrating uh, emancipation and independence more recently than, than we have. Um, but, you know, even though it's been a little while, we don't hear people talk about it as much from the first hand perspectives. Tell us a little bit about what those times were like in the early days of the civil rights movement and some of your work.
1: Those times were very hard. And that's the reason I like to talk about it because the you hear civil rights all the time, but it's not what it was all about. We didn't march for homosexuals. To get married, we did not march that. Everybody, have, they have Scott, they have hijacked the civil rights movement, and anything they want to do, they put it on the civil rights. We marched to, to be able to go to school, get an education, like I did. I, I, I went forward to get an education. My family did. So that was what it was about. We were treated so bad. We were killed. Uh, the, the way they treated black people in America, even after slavery, was disgraceful. So that's what the civil rights movement is about. They have hijacked it and make it anything they want to, uh, to make it now. Well, and, uh, and, you know, let me put in this. I want people to contact us at our website at org. That's Coalition of African American Passers, USA.org.
0: Well, we're going to talk in a few minutes too about a book that you have that's come out called "A Dream Derailed: How the Left Hijacked Civil Rights to Create a Permanent Underclass." You've got a picture of the Reverend uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on the the front of the book. And look, I I tell you what, you know, I met um, Martin Luther King the third, okay, his um, son, at an event at the University of Texas when I was a student studying. I read a lot of the books and the writings of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, you know, was really inspired. As a young man, as a Christian, I was studying sociology and government and really fascinated by how large groups of people, political movements, faith movements, so many of these things can be impacted by the laws that we have. You have a quote here from um, the, the website promoting your book where you say, I saw firsthand what we were marching for in those days and talking about fighting for justice, basic human dignity, fairness. But you alluded to some of the things that are happening these days, right? I mean, the civil rights movement now, you have people that are in the LGBT movement saying, these are us being able to have two men get married or have a transgender person, you know, or or a transsexual or a drag queen read to kids at a public library. They're trying to, you know, really use all of these things and say these issues are civil rights issues. And you touched a little bit about on that concern but your point is well taken. I didn't march in the fifties and sixties. I wasn't born in nineteen seventy. I wasn't a part of that civil rights movement. But I was inspired by what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said in his books as a young student. And I, you know, I, I saw some of his um, some photographs that were taken of him at a display at the University of Texas, and really interested as how our Christian faith compels us to do what's right. And it's not always about political one side or the other but that you know there you know there is there are differences in the parties when do you think you started seeing this shift from you know uh Democrats really leaving a lot of the core elements of the civil rights and trying to turn it into other things
1: well uh, let me tell you I, I I must confess I wonder why I saw it but I didn't understand I wonder what happened When we marched, and I talked to some of my fellow students who marched about what has happened, that uh, we, let, let me tell you, I have to look for a black doctor. In Las Vegas, Nevada, I have met two black doctors, and they were from other countries. One was from the Philippines, and one was from Africa. I've not met a black doctor that was born in the United States. And I wondered, I was puzzled, what has happened to our margin, what has become of the people we're still lagging in everything. And I was talking to a friend of mine, you might know him, Bill Federer. Yep. He's a research guy. And I said, Bill, uh, President Johnson had great ideas and he's my hero. And, 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 and what happened? Uh, and he said, Bill, you got it wrong. President Johnson, did what he did, but on the other side he did something else too. He wanted the black father out of the home, and the government be the father in the home. And President Johnson, I did the research, said give a black person—he didn't use that word, he used the other word—a little bit and you'll have a Democrat for 200 years. They had 100,000 social workers to go throughout America and talk to pregnant black women I married black women and tell them to get on welfare, but they had to put the father out of the home. That started the destruction of the black family.
0: Well, look, I mean, the the, the statistics are, I mean, they're just crushing. I mean, they're heartbreaking. When you look at the statistics about um, homes, you know, African-American homes, at least the statistics that I see with such a low rate uh, of the father being in the home and staying connected with children, it can be devastating to children when they don't have their father involved with them on a long-term basis. And look, I know it happens to a lot of people. It doesn't have to mean that you're somehow stigmatized or doomed because, you know, you weren't raised with your father in the home. That's not the point. Your point is there are policies that are having an impact that are, you know, really can oftentimes feel like that's promoted or encouraged. Or that, or, or or even if it wasn't, that's what it's leading to, and we can't turn a blind eye to that. And when you and that's one of the things I learned when I was a student at the University of Texas. Mom and dad at home raising children, and particularly fathers being involved, is so incredibly important. You know, as a father myself, it's something that's incredibly important to me, and and I don't take lightly. But when we don't have policies that support these right type of uh, settings, we, you know, we can't be surprised or we, and we also can't be silent when we see these things happening decades after decades. And some people just don't care. The politicians, I think that's to your point in, in the book that you've written and some of your work is they're more concerned about getting reelected than really caring about what matters to people and particularly people that suffered through the civil rights movement.
1: Absolutely. And and, and that's, that's what's going on. And a lot of black all of that because they don't know what I now know. They don't know the history and they are being brainwashed by the left wing. Uh, their agenda is to ride on the civil rights movement and enslave the blacks. And we're still enslaved to a great extent. So you, you're head on. That's right.
0: Well, and look, Reverend Owens, you and I got to spend a little time together a couple of years ago because we had an intersection on some of these issues that we're seeing when it comes to issues of sexuality. you know, And a part of this was this move by a lot of local governments and others to create new policies for sexual orientation, gender identity, and others to essentially force people to allow men into women's bathrooms, men into girls' bathrooms, shower rooms, locker rooms, what have you. You and I were a part of an effort to stop this from happening in other places in Texas and other places cities, and also an effort to put a law in place that says you can't be forced to do that. If you have a private business, the government can't force you to allow a man into a woman's bathroom, and that's what we see a lot of local governments doing. So because of that, you started to have a a good bit of activity in Texas. I know you told me uh, before we started the show that you now uh, the Coalition of African American Pastors has an office in Texas. Tell us a little bit about Um, your organization, the Coalition of African American Pastors, and kind of a a spectrum of some of the activities and functions of your national organization?
1: I'm glad you asked. Uh, A lot of people though, somebody wrote the other day that we were a small fringe organization and if you call 307,000 people partners, small, so be it. We have 307,000 people 307,000 people that we communicate with two or three times a week. What we do, we deal with the issues as they are. Now, this all really started when we really got this large list, when we stood against President Obama on same-sex marriage. And let me make clear, the only issue we took up with President Obama was same-sex marriage. A lot of reporters tried to get us to go into other things. We stuck with that one issue with President Obama, that we did not feel that we should endorse same-sex marriage. And what they did, they used him because he was a black man, and they could e- easily pin, put him in, a, in the corner of uh, a shovel right because he was black. And a lot of people overrode the fact that uh, it was wrong what he was doing because he was black. I don't care what color you are. It's the truth is the truth so that's what we do we deal with these issues we limit what we deal with but we deal with these issues that affect america people well, of all colors
0: well if you go to your website caapusa.org you can see Uh, CAP, as you kind of have it abbreviated, takes policy positions that support our core principles, especially regarding defense of religious freedom, marriage, the family, and other issues that are critical to our community. I know you recently voiced support for work we were doing here in the state of Texas on religious liberty bills, the issue where the government in San Antonio tried to ban Chick-fil-A from having a store because of their biblical principles that are pretty similar, if not match up right on to what you have talked about on the issue of marriage and family. I want to stop for just a second, though, and go back to something you said. We're talking with Reverend Bill Owens, who is the founder and leader of the Coalition of African-American Pastors. It is a national organization that also does work in Texas on issues of religious freedom, marriage, and family. And you said that one of the areas where or the times where y'all really kind of got going or got a lot of attention, if you will, or, or came together was when you took the position of not supporting President Obama's position to support same-sex marriage. How <laughs> – talk to me about the, the pushback, if you will, from other members and, and, and relationships that you had, working relationships with people – in the African-American or black community, however people like to refer to to their group. What was that like during that time? And did you privately have some people saying, you know what, we're with you, but we just don't want to say anything publicly?
1: Oh, we had a lot of that. And we had some ministers, black ministers, my friend, said, Bill, leave that alone. Don't touch that. Mm. I said, how can I leave it alone? You shouldn't leave it alone. So we stood our ground. And that was when we got this large, massive mailing list uh, of, of people supporting us. Wow. That's how we developed the list, but we stood firmly against same-sex marriage. And I said then, I said, no, I did not march one foot, one yard for same-sex marriage. I walked, marched said my children could, could go to the college of their choice, not based on color. When I went to college, I could only go to one state school in the state of Tennessee, and that was Tennessee State University. I wanted my children to be able to go to the school of their choice and to enjoy the, enjoy the richness of this country, and, and some of them overly exceed.
0: Well, look, I mean, you know, and I want to salute you and really um, give you a lot of praise and encouragement on taking these positions That can be difficult because sometimes people don't realize it. You know, we're around people that we have similar interests a lot of times. We develop relationships. And when we take public positions, we could actually lose some of those friendships and relationships. And that's not our intention, but sometimes it can feel that way and it actually can turn out that way. You could come become almost a stranger in your own neighborhood or church, if you will, just for following what you know people have always supported within that group, but all of a sudden someone says something publicly, like President Obama, and there's this expectation, oh, well, you're supposed to just kind of fall in line, and it can be very difficult, and you find a lot of people that aren't willing to do it. And so, you know, I've had some of those experiences. I'm not trying to say they're at the same degree as yours, but to some degree where I have faced that, even sometimes in the Christian community, talking about the issues of life, talking about issues of sexuality. And I get it. They're not easy to talk about, but you and I and just about everybody agrees they're incredibly important, okay? These issues of life, marriage, religious freedom, they're foundational, You know, when you talk about marriages between one man and one woman, it hardly gets more foundational from that. It's in Genesis. It's in the Bible several times. And so, you know, if we can't stand on those issues, you got to wonder what other principles are going to guide us for some of these issues that aren't quite as clear sometimes. And so that's why I've enjoyed getting to work with you and your group. That's why we're excited that Reverend Bill Owens is going to be one of our speakers at the Faith, Family, and Freedom Policy Forum, which is coming up on September 6th and 7th. We're less than a month away, Reverend. It's getting really close. And We're excited. If people want to get tickets, they can go to TXValues.org right now. Get your tickets. We still have early bird pricing. You can see Reverend Bill Owens, people from the Trump administration, from the Texas Supreme Court. We just announced yesterday that Senator Ted Cruz is going to be one of the speakers. This is going to be a fantastic event. Reverend Owens, let me ask you this. You know, you mentioned that sometimes you'll have people privately tell you they're with you, but they don't want to say things publicly. But, you know— the political climate is just all up in the air these days. And and so, and a lot of folks that are finding different ways to have their voices heard. You mentioned you got over 300,000 people that support the work that you do or that are partners that you communicate with. And that is tremendous. Uh, I think with, a you know, several years under your belt, if not more, of this, this new um, identity that you have with this organization, it seems like you are starting to get some feedback and, and to have some opportunities to have your voice heard. I know we think it's incredibly valuable. Um, tell us about some of the positive experiences you had where people are being motivated to also have their voice heard because of your voice.
1: Well, uh, that's a good that I would love to do that. We all of these three hundred thousand people support us. They encourage us. But let me add to the people that don't like us, not only the public, but our own families turn on us. Mm. Our own families turn on us. So so you, you, if your own family turn on you, you know the public will turn on you. But we have a, a, thousands of, of letters and uh, emails confirming our stand and supporting us financially and prayerfully. And, and let me say again, if anybody misses, our email address is, my website is caapusa.org. That's Coalition of African American Pastors, USA.org.
0: Well, Reverend Owens, you got a book that's coming out. I want to close by just mentioning that. I touched on it earlier in the interview. The book is called A Dream Derailed, How the Left Hijacks Civil Rights to Create a Permanent Underclass. And you got a picture of of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. there on the cover. And and look, you know, it's not necessarily all about money, but it does make a big difference, right? As uh, one of somebody I admire, Zig Ziglar once said, uh, "You know, money can't buy you happiness, but it is a good down payment." If you've got a system in place that makes things difficult economically, or you've got a group or a class of people that are struggling year in, year out. I mean, look, I mean, let's talk for a second, though, about what President Trump is doing. Okay, I know you've been a vocal advocate of President Trump. Unemployment rates are at historic lows, okay, uh, not only nationally, but in Texas. I mean, it's incredible how low they are. And that impacts all communities, but particularly you have to look at classes of people or groups of people that you hear a lot that are struggling with some of these policies. He's only been in office two and a half years, but it sounds like you and other black leaders are starting to talk more about this issue and say, hey, this matters. It does matter. It does
1: matter a lot. But some people are so they've been turned to hate him. They talk about pe- people hating him. The left promotes hate for Donald Trump. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And how can the clergy be quiet? We should not be quiet. We should tell the truth.
0: Well, there's no doubt you're going to hear more from Reverend Bill Owens at our policy forum September 6th and 7th. We'll be releasing the detailed schedule soon, so you'll know exactly when he's going to speak. And this issue matters. We've got elections coming up next year, a presidential election around the corner. People need to get informed. And we're not going to tell you how to vote at the policy forum. We'll let you make that decision on your own. But our goal and really our responsibility is to make sure that you got accurate information. It is hard to ignore the way things are going economically and the impact that can have on families of any age and really the ability to take care of your family, protect your family, so you can focus on your faith and not worrying about when your next meal is going to be and when your next job is to have some form of stability. But you're going to hear more about that. I imagine Reverend Bill Owens will have more to talk about this. I imagine there will be new information election-wise as we get close to that and more things to chew about and talk about. And so we're looking forward to having at our policy forum, but we are very excited, Reverend Bill Owens, to have you today as a guest on our Texas Values Report. Thank you. God bless. God bless you, Reverend Owens. Well, that's great to hear from Reverend Bill Owens. First time we had him on the show, he's got a lot of energy, okay? And I'm not trying to say, make a big deal or whatever, that I'm younger than him or that if you get older that you can't have a lot of energy. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes... It's, I mean, it's encouraging. Is my point, you know, when folks have done work as long as he has for decades, going back to the civil rights movement, and still having an impact, and and arguably, you know, really having a place where his voice is even maybe more unique or heard from because that that issue or that movement, if you will, has kind of splintered or moved in different directions, and it's being kind of uh, redefined in some ways. His voice is very relevant, important, and has a lot of spirit to it, that I like to say sometimes. We're about to run out of time. Text TXValues.org, get your tickets to the Faith, Family, and Freedom Forum. Not only is Ted Cruz gonna be there speaking, how exciting is that? All right, up close and personal with Ted Cruz. Uh, this is not gonna be some private interview. You're gonna be on the same in the same space as Ted Cruz, be able to interact with him and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, the founder of the Delta Force. You don't mess with this guy. And now he works with Family Research Council on Religious Freedom because we know members of the military and others have had their religious freedom issues attacked. Uh, General Boykin is going to be our speaker for the dinner on Friday night. We're going to sell out this event because we did last year, and, it, and, and ticket sales blew up last night when we around announced that Ted Cruz was going to be there and General Boykin. TXValues.org, get your tickets now, and we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.